Welcome to Recovery Coast to Coast, broadcasting from Clear Channel Studios in Seattle, Washington. Carried live on Fox Radio 850 KHHO in Tacoma, Washington, and carried nationally in streaming audio at www.recoverycoasttocoast.org. Two hours of interviews and features, plus questions and comments about this one-day-at-a-time adventure in personal recovery as we share experience, strength, and hope with others so that they may recover from alcohol and other drug and behavioral addictions. And now, Recovery Coast to Coast is on the air. Here's your host, Neil Scott. Welcome to Recovery Coast to Coast, America's nightly voice for recovery. On the air five nights a week, two hours a night, talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. I'm Neil Scott. Tonight, a very special program as we celebrate the life, the legacy, and the recovery of Mrs. Betty Ford, who passed away at the age of 93 after 33 years of continuous recovery. I had the honor and privilege of spending some time with Mrs. Betty Ford over the years. I first met her in London back in 1981, and a year later was invited into the home of President and Mrs. Ford to do a cover story for a national magazine. Tonight, you will hear from Dr. Joe Persh, who did the intervention on Mrs. Ford. From Joseph A. Califano, Jr., the founder and president of CASA, the Center for Addiction and Substance Abuse at Columbia University. Mrs. Adele Smithers, the matriarch of the modern alcoholism movement. Plus some comments from Larry Gatlin, singer-songwriter, who shares part of a song that he wrote about Mrs. Ford. Plus some of the comments from the memorial to Mrs. Ford, conducted in Rancho Mirage, California, including comments from Cokie Roberts, former First Lady Rosalind Carter, and Jeff Mason, one of the board members of the Betty Ford Treatment Program. We'll also hear from her sons, Michael and Steve Ford, all tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast as we look back and truly celebrate the life, the legacy, and the recovery of Mrs. Betty Ford. We're going to take a short time out. When we come back on the other side, we will visit with Dr. Joe Persh, who talked about the intervention that he did with Mrs. Ford. If you would like to get in touch with us at any time, we certainly would welcome that. Our email address is recoverycoasttocoast at comcast.net. We will continue with our special tribute to Mrs. Betty Ford right after this short timeout. These days, we talk about everything. I've been sober now one year, three days, and counting. My sister was restructured at work after 10 years. Welcome to the new normal and the cards for the new normal. New Journeys cards from Hallmark. My girlfriend sent me a card that said I'm really something to celebrate. Encouragement cards for all the stuff we face today. I actually found a card that says, sorry you lost your job. Journeys, new cards with real words for real life. Only at today's Hallmark Gold Crown stores. She has always been your baby, but when your daughter got into drugs and alcohol, she turned into a stranger. What do you do? Where do you turn? Contact Sundown M Ranch. Sundown's nationally recognized youth treatment program guides young people back to a life free of drugs and alcohol. All treatment is gender specific and directed by caring certified professionals in a safe environment. You can get your daughter back and get to know her again. Go to www.sundown.org to learn more. Your daughter's wasted. Again. You ignore it. You get help. Before long, she's been arrested. Before long, she's been promoted. You post bail. You congratulate her. And then her addiction really takes off. And then her career really takes off. She stops in from time to time for money. She stops in from time to time for coffee. 
But then it's right back to the street. But then it's right back to the office. Years later, the police stop by. Years later, your daughter and son-in-law stop by. They've got bad news. They've got good news. She's gone. She's expecting. You cry. Choose to help a loved one struggling with drugs or alcohol. It could change everything. For more information or help, call 800-662-9111. Recovery Coast to Coast is a program feature of the nonprofit Alliance for Recovery. On the air, thanks to the generosity of our friends and listeners. Now, if you're enjoying Recovery Coast to Coast and would like to help us to continue to carry the message of hope and the promise of recovery, you can make a tax-deductible contribution to the Alliance for Recovery at P.O. Box 31451, Seattle, Washington, 98103. Thank you in advance for your support. Welcome back once again to Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the air five nights a week, two hours a night, talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. Our celebration tribute to the life and legacy of Betty Ford continues. Back in April 1978, a year after she left the White House, she celebrated her 60th birthday, but her drinking was increasing. The effect of her prescription pain medication drastically increased. It evidenced itself beyond her family and staff and to the world at large with the broadcast of her narration of Peter and the Wolf in the Soviet Union. That was after she left the White House. And finally, at the arrangement first of her daughter Susan, then with the leadership of her husband, former President Jerry Ford, Betty Ford was directly confronted by her family in a formal intervention. After an initially angry resentment for their encounter, Mrs. Ford remained home for about a week under medical detox. Then, on the 11th of April, 1978, she registered herself at the Long Beach Naval Hospital's Drug and Alcohol Rehab Program. Dr. Joe Persh, who is now a psychiatrist in private practice in Laguna Beach, was the director of that Navy program. He was the one who conducted the intervention and was involved with her early treatment at the Long Beach Naval Hospital. Mrs. Ford entered that Navy program, which she has publicly talked about, and maintained her recovery until the time of her passing, 33 years of continuous recovery. I've been friends with Dr. Joe Persh since the late 1970s. He truly is one of the leaders and legends in this field. He joins us by phone from Laguna Beach to share some of his thoughts and reflections on the life, recovery, and legacy of Mrs. Betty Ford. Dr. Persh, welcome to Recovery Coast to Coast. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Persh, first of all, tell us about some of your remembrances about Mrs. Ford. It certainly is a time of mourning in this country for her passing, but it really is a time of celebrating the incredible mark that she has left on the field of alcoholism and drug addiction. I first uh, was alerted to the, uh, clinically alerted to the problems with Mrs. Ford was when I got a call about a well meant but uh, impulsive confrontation with friends gone awry and I was called in to arrange for an intervention which I did by um, uh, getting the help of my female nurse, a Navy commander who had had a history of cancer of the breast with mastectomy and now was a recovering alcoholic. I thought there were two methods of identification when we set out to go to Palm Springs uh, <clears throat> on uh, the late uh, days of March. Uh, and we set up the intervention. I did pre-intervention sessions with the family and the people who worked in the house, the housekeeper and the family spokesman. 
the intervention essentially involved then, as it always does, a pre-intervention session, and then uh, to do the intervention shortly thereafter. We managed to pull it all off in about an hour and a half altogether, pre-intervention and all of it, mm -hmm. which speaks to the uh, emotionally solid family we had here. There was no disagreement, no, con no uh, controversy about this among family members. And President Jerry Ford listened very carefully to the pre-intervention session I gave and then essentially conducted and carried out the intervention with very little done by me, even though I sat through the entire intervention and orchestrated one or two remarks here and there. To me, the most important thing about all this was that uh, Betty Ford's the events in her life and what she then did with it and about it constituted the second most significant thing in the history of alcoholism awareness and alcoholism treatment. She was the second most thing, important thing that ever happened. The first important thing being actually the uh, establishment of Alcoholics uh, Anonymous as, mm -hmm. as a uh, fellowship, which, as you know, took place in 1935. Now, that meant alcoholics were getting help and they knew where, where they might go, but it was, was a very slow uh, progression to getting more and more people involved. With Betty Ford, it had happened much more quickly, <clears throat> partly, large and part large, because of the uh, media able to disseminate this story. And Betty Ford, thank God, uh, was able to carry this on for the rest of her life. Talk about what made the Long Beach Naval Program so successful, Dr. Persh. Uh, it was so successful because we were able to avoid the difficulties of ordinary intervention and treatment. Namely, uh, we did not have to pay attention to um, the wishes of, let's say, an alcoholic Navy uh, person. An alcoholic naval officer or naval enlisted man was simply ordered into rehab because the uh, legal and psychosocial history indicated he, need, uh, he needs help. And that person then, male or female, officer or enlisted, had to report to Long Beach and could be held in treatment until enough recovery had taken place to where he or she could be sent back to duty. It was uh, like uh, the old saying, you can, you can take a horse to the water, but you can't make him drink. In the Navy, we proved you can't make him drink, but you can keep him there long enough until he gets thirsty. <laughs> and then he will drink of the fellowship. So we, nice. we were basically operating a recovery system based around the core idea of Alcoholics Anonymous um, principles, uh, one alcoholic helping another. And it uh, gradually was altered to include a little bit more psychology, a little bit uh, uh, psychodrama, and of course testing. But most of all, there was discipline. Uh, you could not leave AM against medical advice. Uh, you could only leave when you were ready to go back to duty anywhere from uh, Atsugi, Japan, to Sigonella, Italy, or to the South Pole. And that made the program very successful. Also, we were able to follow these men and women with written questionnaires every six months for as long as we wanted to in what we called the outpatient follow-up programs, uh, symbolically enough uh, called uh, dry docks. 
the mm. dry dock in a naval station was the office in which alcoholics are being followed for their uh, progress. Now, when the first lady came there, it was really an ideal place for her to be because she was such a person of the people and was open uh, about her diagnosis and her admission and even her progress in in the hospital and she did everything that everybody in in the program did including walking a mile every day instead of jogging a mile <laughs> and involving her family members all of them with a name tag that only gave the first name jerry for the president <laughs> And, of course, the first name tag, Jerry, came off when the president walked out of the building <laughs> and was in the parking lot where he was president for it again. So it was an interesting marriage of freedom and coercion into helpful treatment. Her recovery was certainly very, very public, and, and she was very, very candid. I had the opportunity to spend an afternoon at her home back in uh, 1980 doing a cover story article for Alcoholism and Addiction magazine, and... We're going to hear some of that interview in this particular tribute program. But her, her candor and her family's candor and the fact that the nation really came to understand much better the disease of alcoholism. And, of course, then on the 3rd of October, 1982, she dedicated the Betty Ford Center. What is her legacy, Dr. Persh? Well, her legacy is that um, her name has become a concept it's practically a, a word in itself. Any stand-up comedian can make an allusion using that word. For example, any stand-up comedian can name a troubled person who in the daily media is in trouble with alcohol or drug behavior. Uh, Jay Leno that evening can just say, Oh, have you heard it? So-and-so went to Betty Ford. Mm. And the whole nation will know that so-and-so has gone for treatment. <laughs> so it has become the, the catchword, the byword, the password for successful rehabilitation. <clears throat> and it was only brought about because, uh, well, number one, she uh, has continued to, she did continue for the rest of her life to do, you know, in, in AA, the identification of a speaker when he introduces himself is, I will now disclose to you in a general way what I used to be like, <clears throat> what happened, and what I'm like now. Well, if you lay that yardstick on the fir former First Lady, uh, she told the nation what she used to be like, uh, including the Bolshoi Ballet, and then she told the nation what happened, namely an intervention and the Naval Hospital inpatient treatment, and then she told the nation what she is like now, namely uh, being heavily involved and running and being at the head of the Betty Ford Center. So she is really a, a kind of a conceptual history of American recovery. And, and tremendous impact not only in this country, but obviously clear around the world, and really opened the doors for many individuals, especially women. Worldwide. I give a lot of speeches in Europe because I can speak, give my talk in a couple of languages. There are lots of men and women in every country you can think of, especially in the Western countries of England, uh, Germany, Italy, France, there are many, uh, both men and women, who went into treatment, just as men and women did in this country, simply by the example set by Betty Ford's recovery. The idea being, well, if she can do it, 
with all that pressure on you of being a president's wife, dra, 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 surely I can do it. Or a husband saying to his alcoholic wife, surely you can do it. And then that person ending up in treatment, absolutely. One of the leaders and legends in the field of addiction, Dr. Joe Purse, joining us tonight for a few moments from Laguna Beach. Uh, what do you remember most about Mrs. Ford, Joe? What I remember is uh, her having a, a history, I hate to use the word typical or uh, fairly mundane history of um, a combination of prescription drugs augmented by slowly increasing alcohol intake, eventually leading to a mental state where she was not herself or as good as she can be, which is the definition of alcoholism. Mm -hmm. And uh, the difference, though, with her was that when she had the intervention and heard the evidence from her loved ones and medical backing, uh, she immediately made the decision then, therefore, we will go into treatment and we will do it publicly and we'll do it in a naval hospital and uh, a press release is forthcoming. Now, that is hmm. that was the best thing about it. Then, of course, she identified, as I said earlier, she identified heavily with the other patients in the treatment uh, program at the time, and the other patients identified heavily with her story in spite of the tremendous difference in their social standing. First lady in the White House and a female alcoholic Marine Corps sergeant being just an ordinary person. Well, the ordinariness of the sergeant and the specialness of the first lady uh, vanished. They were both uh, Betty F. and uh, Jane uh, W. And she also did not have a private room, did not have any special perks there. She was just one of, of many people struggling to find their life. The private room idea was removed in the first 10 minutes because she realized the bed that I had assigned to her was one of four beds in one room. She also was not catered to with special meals in her own room. She walked down to the cafeteria in which all the patients had lunch and dinner. She participated in the physical exercises. She was taken to all the 12-step meetings. Uh, that she uh, should, and her family members also attended in an outpatient uh, way what was going on. So no, that was nothing special. When she arrived, there was no big reception committee uh, in the lobby. Uh, she took the elevator with one aide and came up to the floor and was assigned to this now famous room with four, with three other patients. How did you deal with the Secret Service? Ah, special problem. I was fortunate, and uh, maybe it was the intervention of higher power in my brain, when I realized that the law commands uh, the Secret Service to be always in the proximity of the f first family, which meant that they would have to sit in group therapy uh, with a big bulge on the coat indicating there's a big gun in here, and I was able for some reason to think of the fact that we had one group therapy room with no windows and only one entrance door. And when I explained to the Secret Service that we can reach a safe, <clears throat> legal, and therapeutic compromise here, that the Secret Service man, they were all men then, Secret Service man would be sitting in a chair outside the closed door with his gun under his coat while the, a, the, while the therapy meeting was going on, 
in the room behind closed doors as uh, confidential and therapeutic as any other. Well, they, they were very happy to, <laughs> to see this as an intelligent way out to obey the law and yet not to ha- hazard uh, the First Lady's health. Dr. Joe Persh joining us tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast. He's been nice enough to share some of his reflections on the life and legacy of Betty Ford. Joe, you're still, do- you're still in private practice down in Laguna Beach, correct? Yeah, I do the same thing I've always done, except my major emphasis now is uh, the, the diagnosis and treatment of airline pilots with alcohol uh, or drug problems. Uh, that is uh, really the major focus. Joe, thank you so much for your time tonight. I appreciate it very much. Very happy to do it, Neil. I'm Neil Scott. The program is Recovery Coast to Coast. We're going to take a short time out. We will be back with more right after this. I lie to all my friends. I mean, I look right at my kids and lie to them. I make excuses to my family. I make excuses to the people at work. I hide the truth from everyone. Cover up at family holidays. You know, act as if everything's okay. Pretend I'm happy. Every day, I deceive everyone close to me. This man isn't addicted to drugs or alcohol. He's just addicted to covering up for someone who is. He thinks it helps, but it doesn't. Find out what does. For more information or help, call 800-662-9111. Are you afraid? Afraid of life without drugs and alcohol? There is help and hope at Sundown M Ranch. At Sundown, the focus is on you and your disease. You will learn how to live without depending on drugs and alcohol. Sundown M Ranch is nationally recognized for effective and affordable alcohol and drug treatment programs. Reclaim your life. Replace your fears with hope. Go to www.sundown.org right now to learn more. Reason number 22 to switch to GEICO. We think renters are cool. Now, we don't know if you were born cool or if it's just all the cool stuff you have in your apartment. The point is, if you want to protect your considerable coolness, ask GEICO about renter's insurance. For as little as $12 a month, you can protect all the stuff you hold near and dear, including that combination flat-screen TV espresso machine. Now that is cool. For a fast, easy rate quote on renter's insurance, visit GEICO.com or call 1-800-947-AUTO. Our next exercise, killing spider in bathroom. As you hear your wife scream, begin with a light jog, then run to bathroom. Four, three, two, one. Find spider on wall and squat and squash. Squat and squash. Spider lunges at you. Now scream like a schoolgirl. Good. And sprint. Now run. Life is exercise. Snickers Marathon is energy. Great tasting, nutritious, long lasting energy for the demands of your day. Grab a Snickers Marathon in the energy bar aisle. Aha! <laughs> Think earlier. Brew Starbucks at home. Available where groceries are sold. Today is the day. Think earlier. Brew Starbucks at home. Available where groceries are sold. Yeah, I've been drunk in the last 30 days. And how old are you? 13. Do your parents know? No. In Washington, one in six eighth graders used alcohol in the past month. I'm Governor Gregoire. We can keep kids alcohol-free if we start talking now. About how many times have you had five or more drinks in a row this month? Maybe three. And how old are you? Fifteen. For more information, visit StartTalkingNow.org. That's StartTalkingNow.org. Welcome back once again to Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the air five nights a week, two hours a night 
talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. Our tribute to former First Lady Betty Ford continues as we welcome in a leader and legend in the field of addictions, Joseph A. Califano, Jr., founding chairman of the board and president of the National Center on Addiction and Substance Abuse at Columbia University, CASA. In 1992, Betty Ford became a founding board member of CASA and served as an active and outspoken advocate for addiction treatment until about 1998 when some health issues prevented her from traveling to board meetings. Mr. Califano has been on the show many times before. He joins us this evening from New York City. Joe, welcome back to Recovery Coast to Coast. This is a sad time, but also a time of celebration and honor for a woman who changed the face of addiction in this country. Uh, She certainly did, and I think, you know, it's it's, a... wonderful that she's getting credit in, in her dying that she didn't get enough of, in my judgment, when she was living. When I started CASA, the National Center on Addiction and Substance Abuse at Columbia University, in 1992, there was a little announcement in one of the trade journals, and I got a letter from Betty Ford in which she said that uh, she thought this was uh, really important, and uh, I, I can even... even uh, read you one of the things she said in there. Okay, that'd be great. She said, uh, your early awareness of the dangers of smoking helped to change the habits of an entire nation. Substance abuse and addiction may well be the most harmful component of today's society. I was delighted that you're including alcohol and prescription drugs in your studies. Then she said she'd offer to do anything she could to help. So I called her up and I said, uh, Betty, would you, uh, I got your letter, I'm so touched by it. She said, I said, I said, you said you'd do anything you could to help, and I said, yes. She said, what would you like me to do? And I said, I would like you to come on the board. Mm. You would add such prestige to this board as a founding board member, and you would be the only one in recovery that we would have on the board for the start. Wow. And she said, Joe, it's done. I said, well, we have to work out schedules. She said, don't worry, we'll work out the schedules. I mean, what a woman. Yeah, absolutely. And and then she was fantastic. I, I don't know if I've... Uh, you know the story about, you know, you say change, you started the interview by saying change the face of recovery. We started, CASA, we had, at the first board meeting, you know, we had some missions to be approved by the board, and one was to uh, inform the American public of the cost of substance abuse in our society and the impact on their lives, to find out what works in prevention and treatment, uh, to... Uh, give people on the front line some help and tools they can use. And Betty Ford said, well, you know, Joe and the board, she said, there's something missing. And we said, well, what? She said, well, stigma, stigma. We have to be committed to remove the stigma of drug and alcohol abuse and to replace despair with hope. And then there was a discussion and uh, some board members said, well, is that really one of our missions? And, of course, Betty Ford won the day. <laughs> and at the end of the discussion, she said, when the board approved that as one of our missions, she said, if this is the only thing we do, we will have achieved a great deal. Wow, what, what an amazing, amazing woman. Do you remember the first time you met her? Obviously, it was, it was uh, many, many years ago. Well, I met, you know, I met her during the, uh, when I was in Washington, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I was working on President uh, Lyndon Johnson's staff. Jerry Ford was the minority leader of the House of Representatives, and I met her at one of those White House social events. Mm-hmm. She was lovely. She was always lovely, and really, uh, really quite a quite a special human being. 
And then uh, after Watergate, when President Nixon resigned and Ford became the president, uh, people forget what an act of courage, uh, you know, to me, I thought one of the, he knew it was going to cost him or likely cost him the election. He nevertheless pardoned Nixon mm-hmm. to end that era in American public life. But even before then, right after he took office, at one of the very first social events they had, he invited me. And to understand what that meant, Neil, I was then the lawyer for the Washington Post. I had represented the Washington Post all through Watergate. I had sued the Nixon Committee to re-elect the president uh, uh, because of the Mm break-in representing the Democrats. And for him to have invited me, and when I went into the receiving line, she was so warm. Mm. It was incredible. I mean, together they really healed a nation. They healed a city in Washington. My God, what we could do with that healing today. Mm, Boy, you know it. And they healed a nation. Mm. With the founding of the Betty Ford Treatment Center, I, I did a cover story on Mrs. Ford when she was sober maybe two years. It was even before the Betty Ford Treatment Center. And, and her, her dream came to be with the Betty Ford Treatment Center. And the, the, the number of people whose lives have been touched by that. Talk a little bit about the legacy that she leaves behind. Well, she lives in a, you know, the treatment center, is, that's an enormous legacy. She, she, she made treatment acceptable mm-hmm. publicly, not something you had to hide about. You know, go off for a month. Where did, where did mom go? Mm-hmm. Or where did the, my sister go? Uh, where did grandma go? No, she made it acceptable. This is treatment. This is health care. The other thing she did, which... Uh, uh, I thought was very important. She called me one day and she said, uh, you know, I want you to come out here. We're trying something and I think you ought to get a look at it and talk to our people. I think uh, uh, O'Brien was a woman out there at that time running a big part of the Ford Treatment Center. I went out there and Betty uh, said, you know what we're doing, Joe? We, we are separating the men and the women. Mm. We had done this co-ed before, but we're separating men and the women. We're finding out something very important. I said, what is it? And she said, we have, it is significantly increasing the success of recovery for women. And she was the first place to do that. Mm. And I said, why? And she said, well, you know, women can do such shameful things when they're drunk or when they're high on drugs. They're just totally embarrassed, and they're not willing to talk about them in front of men. But if they're just alone with a group of women, one will talk about it, and then someone else will recognize they did something, and they'll talk about it and get it out, and that helps their recovery. I mean, she really was extraordinary. 33 years in long-term recovery. We remember tonight uh, Mrs. Betty Ford. Joe, you had the opportunity to attend the funeral, I understand, in, in Michigan. I went to a Michigan. It was very moving. It was much smaller than the event in Palm Springs. It was more intimate, mm-hmm. more family, more close friends. I was honored to be invited. There were a couple of wonderful moments, Neil, at, uh, light moments. One, uh, when, when her son, I guess, Stephen, got up and said, I'm an alcoholic. Yes. He said, I, I, I remember when I went to Mom and said, Mom, I'm an alcoholic. And she said, she was like any other mother in America. She said, oh, no, Stephen, you're not. Come on, you're not. You're my son. You're not. You're not. And he said, after she said that several times, I said, Mom, you're Betty Ford. You can't be in denial. (laughs) And the whole place laughed, and it was wonderful. And then 
There was another story actually having nothing to do with the subject we're talking about, but I think your listeners might enjoy it. Betty Ford wanted to have a little surgery done on her face, a little touch-up, and Jerry Ford was totally opposed. And one of the kids at the at the uh, event in, in, in Grand Rapids said, one night at dinner, Dad said, Betty, I just don't know why you want to do this. Don't do this. Why in the world would you want to do this? And she said, Jerry... I want people to recognize me and see me the way I looked in my portrait in the White House. Mm, wow. I mean, she was really quite wow. Quite something. You know, another thing she did with us at CASA, you know we put out three reports on substance abuse and American women. Yes. For the early years, the, the uh, mid-years, mid and then the, the senior citizen women, which also led to a book women under the influence that uh, Johns Hopkins University mm -hmm. Press published. Well, Betty Ford became involved in releasing every one of those reports. And she went to Washington twice with me mm. to uh, hold a uh, luncheon and press conference uh, around those to get the word out. I mean, she was committed. And, you know, she never asked for anything, Neil. Mm. You know, you think the way she lived, she never wanted any special treatment. She didn't want to be different than any other member of the board. She, you know, it was just a remarkable, remarkable woman. Joe Califano joining us tonight on Recovery Coast to Coast. I read in your Chairman's Corner report that, that you are recommitting CASA to strip the shame from this disease as, as a response to the charge that Betty Ford gave to CASA. Yes, we are. You know, uh, I look at... Uh, People say, well, you know, you've had a lot of successes. You've really gotten the word out on a lot of stuff. And I said, yeah, but I said the one success we haven't had is is getting the stigma off this. You know, you know that, and I know this. Mm. This is a disease. It is a complex neurological, psychological, emotional, spiritual, physical disease. And we've got to accord it the same respect we accord others. We are recommitting ourselves here to really getting the stigma off. You know, you and I both know, if somebody's uh, got high blood pressure and they get off their hypertension pills because it affects their ability to have sex and they have a, an incident that sends them to the hospital or somebody's a diabetic and gets way off their diet and has a, has a an incident, we don't say, oh, that person's a bum, they're awful, they're terrible, why the hell did they do that? We said, fine, get him back on track. Please take your medicine again. Please take your insulin. But if somebody's an alcoholic uh, or an addict uh, uh, on some drug and they slip, we say, oh, terrible, mm. just terrible. Well, that's nonsense. That's wrong. We are dealing with a chronic disease. Recovery is a continuing state of somebody that's, that's dealing with that disease. And, you know, they make, you know, the insulin... The, the, the person with diabetes has to inject that insulin every day. The person with high blood pressure, like me, has to take those, those pills every day. Uh, the person with an addiction uh, or an alcoholic in recovery has to go to AA meetings or get some support every day. Well, that's fine. That's the way we deal with this disease. We have got to get our people to recognize that. And we've got to get the medical profession to recognize that. I think the greatest failure of the public health profession and the medical profession in this country is their failure to educate the American people about uh, substance abuse and addiction, alcoholism, 
it's, it is a disgrace. Look what they did with AIDS. In a matter of a few years, uh, they changed AIDS from a social curse into a recognized disease, dangerous. They can do that with AIDS. They can also do that with alcoholism and substance abuse, and we've got to get them to do it. Joseph A. Califano, Jr., joining us tonight on the program, remembering the late Betty Ford and the legacy that she has left. Uh, Joe, I thank you very much for your time, and uh, we will talk again soon. Well, thank you. It is always a pleasure. You have a great show and a very, very important one. Thank you so much. I'm Neil Scott. The program Recovery Coast to Coast. We're going to take a short time out. We will be back with more right after this. Thank you for calling AAA. How can I help you? Oh, great. Hi, we've got a major malfunction going on here. What's the problem, sir? Well, the problem is that some friends and I decided to go whitewater rafting down this river just outside of town. Sounds adventurous. Yeah, well, it was until one of us who kept his keys in his pocket lost them, hello, <laughs> when he fell, up, oh, I'm sorry, was thrown out of the raft by some supposed oh, tidal wave. Real big. <laughs> oh, so you locked out. Well, we were until our friend Brian came out with an extra set of keys. So you're not locked out. Uh, no. But Brian is. Nice job, Brian. The genius locked his keys in the car when he got out to give us our extras. Bummer. Exactly. Well, tell Brian to hang tight and we'll be right out. Oh, you are the best. See, I told you, man. They're the best. At AAA, we understand it's never just the lockout. That's why we're dedicated to helping you with quick personal service to get you moving again. AAA. We're not just about cars. We're about you. Call 1-800-JOIN-AAA or visit AAA.com. Join now and get $10 off a basic membership. If you're considering a career as a chemical dependency counselor, here are five reasons to enroll at the Institute of Chemical Dependency Studies. It's recommended for up to 24 hours of college credit by the American Council on Education, offers an accelerated distance learning program, is an ADAC-approved provider, and their training meets the criteria for the Certified Justice Professional Certification. Plus, student loans are also available. Start your career today. Call 866-523-2669 or go to www.cdstudies.com. We now join the new Diet 7-Up Taste Challenge already in progress. Okay, I want you all to try this and then just say the first thing that pops in your head. Amazing. Yeah. Mm, totally. Mm, there's more flavor. Yeah, more natural flavor. Mm-hmm. More lemon-lime flavor. Yeah, you're both right. There's more natural lemon-lime flavor. Yeah, the lemon-lime flavor is totally zesty. Zingy. Zippy. With zero calories. What is it? Yeah. New Diet 7-Up. Diet 7-Up is new? Yeah, it's been totally reinvented with mm. more natural lemon-lime flavor than ever. It's totally refreshing. I love I know. it. I uh, And it's diet, too. And where's the aftertaste? Now, yeah. that is refreshing. <laughs> Here's to more flavor in our lives. Oh, <laughs> Try new Diet Diet 7-Up, now with more natural lemon-lime flavor than ever. Diet 7-Up, totally reinvented, totally refreshing. Stop in to your nearest grocery or convenience store today and pick up the new Diet 7-Up. Diet 7-Up has been totally reinvented and still has zero calories. Taste the new refreshing burst of lemon-lime flavors in Diet 7-Up today. We wasted a lot of years hoping, praying for things to get better. I was desperate to save our family. That's when I made the contact. She contacted Sundown M Ranch. Sundown's nationally recognized alcohol and drug treatment program teaches family members how to break down the barriers of denial. They are taught the skills needed to deal with addiction as a family. Now we're making up for lost time. It was the best contact I ever made. Go to www.sundown.org to learn more. Welcome back once again to Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the air five nights a week, two hours a night, talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. Our tribute to Mrs. Betty Ford continues on Recovery Coast to Coast. Mrs. Ford was and continues to be America's leader and legend in dealing with addiction. 
another leader and legend joining us in this segment. She is a dear, dear friend. I've worked for her and with her, and her foundation has supported many of the remote broadcasts that we have been able to do at Recovery Coast to Coast, including our last year's fifth anniversary special that we did from the National Baseball Hall of Fame. Our next guest is a woman who has been a beacon of hope for people suffering from addiction, Adele Smithers. Her late husband, Brink, was the patriarch of the modern alcoholism movement. Adele has worked side by side, hand in hand with Brink during his long and generous life, and has continued to carry the mantle of hope for alcoholics around the country. She is the president of the Christopher D. Smithers Foundation in Mill Neck, New York, the only foundation in the country dealing exclusively with alcoholism. It has been one of the highlights of my career in the addictions field to work with both Brink and Adele. She and I spent some time with Mrs. Ford in Rancho Mirage, California back in 2003. Betty Ford was awarded the distinguished R. Brinkley Smithers Lifetime Achievement Award on May 3, 2003 at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel at the 50th anniversary of the Smithers Foundation. Mrs. Ford unable to attend the ceremony in New York, but accepted via a videotaped presentation. Later, Adele Smithers, her brother Tom and I, met with Mrs. Ford at the Betty Ford Treatment Center in Southern California to formally present her with the R. Brinkley Smithers Lifetime Achievement Award. This tribute to Betty Ford would not be complete without some comments and remembrances from the matriarch of the alcoholism field and the woman I continue to refer to as the first lady of alcoholism understanding Adele Smithers. She joins us from her home in Long Island, New York. Adele, welcome back to Recovery Coast to Coast. And if you would share some of your remembrances about Betty Ford. Hi, Neil. How are you? I'm, I'm doing great. It's wonderful great. to speak well, with you. It's been a very busy time and uh, I, I really... Uh, wasn't able to, you know, put all my thoughts together. However, I remember when we went to see Betty and give her the Lifetime Achievement Award. Yes. How gracious she was and, and how happy the occasion was. I mean, it was not uh, one of those gloom and doom things. It was it was very uplifting and very, um, as far as I was concerned, it, it was full of hope. And it, it gave a great deal of hope to, to a lot of the uh, people who were in recovery having a very difficult time. And uh, I, I just, this weekend, I worked with uh, two parents with their children, the 30-year-old mm. and one who's a little younger. And it, it's really so sad to see uh, they, they have uh, really very few uh, uh, guidelines and, and people who they can look up to uh, to, um, to to try to get some some sort of uh, feeling about this disease being a disease. They're told that it's really oh, it's not a disease. They're just having fun. Everybody's just having fun, drinking mm. on the beach, getting drunk and sick. And I mean, it's unbelievable what's going on. And uh, Betty was um, very much in tune with. The, working with young people and uh, also with uh, those who were uh, not not maybe so young but who were uh, in the various uh, stages of alcoholism and she and I then uh, she said well, I wish that we had more time to talk she wanted to talk about clothes too <laughs> and I, we just had a big laugh over the whole thing and she was just so full of life and um, her um, her, her son uh, spoke recently at a a, 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 um, uh, a, a national council on alcoholism 
um, luncheon, and he gave a very wonderful talk about his mother, about himself, about alcoholism. So uh, we have uh, we have them to look forward to to, to work with uh, and to to keep the word going about alcoholism and the fact that there is hope. There is hope for this disease. It's not like a lot of diseases that there's no hope for. And so uh, I'm uh, I'm hoping that we can um, rely on people like you, who's been you've been so good about broadcasting and using your station and your time and your efforts uh, for uh, helping to get the word out about alcoholism. And thank you so much, Neil. I don't think that you ever have received the appropriate thanks, and I hope that I'm, I'm giving you some thanks now. And I hope I can get, give you some more later. Well, I thank you so much for that. Adele Smithers joining us tonight, a pioneer in the alcoholism field and president of the Christopher D. Smithers Foundation. You know, Mrs. Ford uh, was such a beacon uh, in, in terms of treatment. And, you know, there's a great treatment center on the East Coast, the Smithers Alcoholism Treatment and Training Center in Yonkers, New York. Tell us a little bit about the new Smithers Treatment Center, if you would. Well, the new center is, the, the only thing really new about it is, is it's the new name. And new location. And a new location. They still uh, have the, the same, uh, 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 actually, the same uh, treatment program. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't believe in any of these new things that where uh, they can, you know, the, the patients can do what they want. They, right. They're a bit uh, on the strict side. And... Uh, and I met um, a man who came over to me and said, you know, Mrs. Smithers, I want to thank you. I said, well, for what? And he said, for my 28 years of sobriety. Wow. And I said, well, I didn't do that. I said, you did it. He said, but without the Smithers Center, he would never have been able to do it. And that's the thing that, that counts is, is that, you know, the center is there. It has its guidelines. It has, uh, there's, they, they don't make too many ex- exceptions to the rules, and I think that's what keeps people in line, you know. They know that they have to uh, walk that line and keep, and keep a steady uh, walk. And so uh, I was so pleased to hear that, that, you know, that, that someone really enjoyed having that strict treatment. I don't know if I would be able to tolerate it. But, you know, it's, it really is what it takes. And, and good treatment centers like the Smithers Treatment Program, like the Betty Ford Treatment Center. And, and Betty Ford's name on that treatment center, uh, it was more than just a name. She, she showed up at the treatment program, and, and it really helped a lot of the other good programs uh, around the country. Uh, she yes. really was a, a pioneer in terms of treatment. Yes. And uh, we really have... Uh, a great deal to, to thank uh, you, Neil, and uh, many like you who get the word out and who, who really have uh, uh, given up a lot of things so that they that you can uh, talk about alcoholism on your program. And uh, those of us in the field really and truly appreciate what you're doing. Just that we could get a special plane for you so that <laughs> we could fly you wherever you needed to be flown at any time you needed to go to cover a story. Oh, my goodness. There's nobody who does it better than you. Well, I thank and you thank so much. Thank you so much for all the time and effort you've put into this 
work of yours. And, and thank you, Neil. Thank you. And j just a few months ago, I had the opportunity to do another two-hour special on uh, the life and legacy of, of your late husband, Brink Smithers, who, who did so much uh, for so long for so many people. He certainly did. And uh, a lot of people were kind of shocked. They didn't know that how good a friend uh, Brink and uh, Bill Wilson was. I know. They were, they were friends before AA. And, of course, they became fast friends in the, in the AA program. And so uh, we're, we're, I'm very pleased and proud of, of the work that they did and the work that Brink did. And uh, he, with, with Bill, uh, you know, he did uh, send a plane down to try to get uh, uh, help, uh, special help for Bill Wilson yeah. uh, during the last days of his life. Yeah. And a lot of people didn't know that and weren't aware of it. And uh, that's the kind of friend Brink was. He, he helped wherever he could, however he could. And a lot of times that included, um, you know, giving some money or putting money up. And, and he didn't mind it one whit. Yeah. He, he knew it was for a good thing. I, I just wanted you to know how much we appreciate you. Well... Thank you. I appreciate that very much. And, and in closing, what, what kind of a legacy does Betty Ford leave behind, Adele? Betty Ford leaves uh, a legacy, I think, of um, uh, she, she really uh, brought uh, alcoholism, the word alcoholism and the, and the meaning of alcoholism uh, be, before the American public. And she let them know that she was a victim of this disease. And she used that terminology, that, that it was a disease. And I think that uh, we should be forever grateful to her because most uh, of the people who were, would be in her position, and that is uh, uh, the, the first uh, lady of the land, uh, declaring that she had this awful disease I think uh, was uh, a, a phenomenal uh, feat, and it took a great deal of courage. She was, I'd say she was the most courageous lady that I've known, and uh, I really think that many alcoholics owe a great deal to her. So uh, I think her legacy is one of uh, hope and one of, um, I, I think, mostly hope, because... Uh, that's where uh, her, her uh, whole uh, talk was uh, usually about, uh, that alcoholics should never give up that hope. Mm. They keep that, that little bit of hope close to your heart and you would survive. And she, that's what she was, a survivor. Adele Smithers, nice enough to join us for a few moments tonight and, and re recall some of her recollections of former First Lady Betty Ford. Adele, as always, I thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Neil. The program is Recovery Coast to Coast. Short time out. We'll be back after this with more. Alcohol is running your life. You want help but can't take time away from work to get it. Where do you turn? Contact Sundown M Ranch. Sundown M Ranch outpatient programs have helped thousands recover from addiction without losing time on the job. Nationally recognized for innovative, effective, and affordable treatment programs, Sundown M Ranch will help you put your life back on track. Go to www.sundown.org to learn more. First, your child's heart rate and blood pressure will drop. Your child may experience nausea and want to sleep it off. 
Hopefully your child will resist that urge and won't slip into a coma or die from this prescription painkiller overdose. Of course, kids who learn about the dangers of drugs from their parents are 40% less likely to abuse prescription drugs than those who don't. So talk to your child now, and there's a pretty good chance that this will never happen to your child. For more information, visit drugfree.org. A message from Partnership for a Drug-Free Washington in America. Need professional-looking documents? Office Depot can help. From small jobs to bound presentations, bring in your document or submit it at officedepot.com. We'll ship virtually anywhere. Plus, our work is backed by the Office Depot Satisfaction Guarantee. Office Depot, taking care of business. Certain restrictions apply. See store for details. Welcome back once again to Recovery Coast to Coast, the only program in America on the air five nights a week, two hours a night, talking about addiction with a focus on recovery. Our tribute to Mrs. Betty Ford continues on Recovery Coast to Coast. Mrs. Ford was and continues to be America's leader and legend in dealing with addiction. Another leader and legend joining us in this segment. She is a dear, dear friend. I've worked for her and with her, and her foundation has supported many of the remote broadcasts that we have been able to do at Recovery Coast to Coast, including our last year's fifth anniversary special that we did from the National Baseball Hall of Fame. Our next guest is a woman who has been a beacon of hope for people suffering from addiction, Adele Smithers. Her late husband, Brink, was the patriarch of the modern alcoholism movement. Adele has worked side by side, hand in hand with Brink during his long and generous life and has continued to carry the mantle of hope for alcoholics around the country. She is the president of the Christopher D. Smithers Foundation in Mill Neck, New York, the only foundation in the country dealing exclusively with alcoholism. It has been one of the highlights of my career in the addictions field to work with both Brink and Adele. She and I spent some time with Mrs. Ford in Rancho Mirage, California back in 2003. Betty Ford was awarded the Distinguished R. Brinkley Smithers Lifetime Achievement Award on May 3, 2003 at the Waldorf Astoria Hotel at the 50th anniversary of the Smithers Foundation. Mrs. Ford unable to attend the ceremony in New York, but accepted via a videotape presentation. Later, Adele Smithers, her brother Tom and I, met with Mrs. Ford at the Betty Ford Treatment Center in Southern California to formally present her with the R. Brinkley Smithers Lifetime Achievement Award. This tribute to Betty Ford would not be complete without some comments and remembrances from the matriarch of the alcoholism field and the woman I continue to refer to as the first lady of alcoholism understanding Adele Smithers. She joins us from her home in Long Island, New York. Adele, welcome back to Recovery Coast to Coast. And if you would share some of your remembrances about Betty Ford. Hi, Neil. How are you? I'm, I'm doing great. It's wonderful great. to speak well, with you. It's been a very busy time and uh, I, I really... Uh, wasn't able to, you know, put all my thoughts together. However, I remember when we went to see Betty and give her the Lifetime Achievement Award. Yes. How gracious she was and, and how happy the occasion was. I mean, it was not uh, one of those gloom and doom things. It was, it was very uplifting and very, um, as far as I was concerned, it, it was full of hope. And it, it gave a great deal of hope to, to a lot of the uh, people who were in recovery having a very difficult time. And uh, I, I just, this weekend, I worked with uh, two parents with their children, the 30-year-old mm. and one who's a little younger. And it, it's really so sad to see uh, they, they have uh, really very few 
uh, guidelines and and people who they can look up to uh, to um, to to try to get some some sort of uh, feeling about this disease being a disease. They're told that it's really oh, it's not a disease. They're just having fun. Everybody's just having fun drinking mm-hmm. on the beach, getting drunk and sick. And I mean, it's unbelievable what's going on. And uh, Betty was um, very much in tune with working with young people and uh, also with uh, those who were uh, not not maybe so young but who were uh, in the various uh, stages of alcoholism. And she and I then, uh, she said, well, I wish that we had more time to talk. She wanted to talk about clothes too. <laughs> and I think we just had a big laugh over the whole thing and she was just so full of life and um, her um, her her son spoke recently at a a, 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 um, uh, a, a national council on alcoholism um, luncheon, and he gave a very wonderful talk about his mother, about himself, about alcoholism. So uh, we have uh, we have them to look forward to to, to work with uh, and to to keep the word going about alcoholism and the fact that there is hope, there is hope for this disease. It's not like a lot of diseases that there's no hope for. And so uh, I'm, uh, I'm hoping that we can um, rely on people like you who's been, you've been so good about broadcasting and using your station and your time and your efforts uh, for uh, helping to get the word out about alcoholism, and thank you so much, Neil. I don't think that you ever have received the appropriate thanks, and I hope that I'm, I'm giving you some thanks now, and I hope I can get, give you some more later. Well, I thank you so much for that. Adele Smithers joining us tonight, a pioneer in the alcoholism field and president of the Christopher D. Smithers Foundation. You know, Mrs. Ford uh, was such a beacon uh, in, in terms of treatment. And, you know, there's a great treatment center on the East Coast, the Smithers Alcoholism Treatment and Training Center in Yonkers, New York. Tell us a little bit about the new Smithers Treatment Center, if you would. Well, the new center is, the, the only thing really new about it is, is it's the new name. And new location. And a new location. They still uh, have the, the same, uh, 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 actually, the same uh, treatment program. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't believe in any of these new things that where uh, they can, you know, the the patients can do what they want. They, right. They're a bit uh, on the strict side, and uh, and I met um, a man who came over to me and said, "You know, Mrs. Smithers, I want to thank you." I said, "Well, for what?" And he said, "For my 28 years of sobriety." Wow. And I said, "Well, I didn't do that." I said, "You did it." He said, but without the Smithers Center, he would never have been able to do it. And that's the thing that, that counts, is, is that, you know, the center is there. It has its guidelines. It has, uh, there's, they, they don't make too many ex- exceptions to the rules. And I think that's what keeps people in line, you know. They know that they have to uh, walk that line and keep and keep a steady uh, walk, and so uh, I was so pleased to hear that, that, you know, that, that someone really 
enjoyed having that strict treatment. I don't know if I would be able to tolerate it. But, you know, it's, it really is what it takes. And, and good treatment centers like the Smithers Treatment Program, like the Betty Ford Treatment Center. And, and Betty Ford's name on that treatment center, uh, it was more than just a name. She, she showed up at the treatment program, and, and it really helped a lot of the other good programs uh, around the country. Uh, she yes. really was a, a pioneer in terms of treatment. Yes. And uh, we really have... Uh, a great deal to, to thank uh, you, Neil, and uh, many like you who get the word out and who, who really have uh, uh, given up a lot of things so that they that you can uh, talk about alcoholism on your program. And uh, those of us in the field really and truly appreciate what you're doing. Just that we could get a special plane for you so that <laughs> we could fly you wherever you needed to be flown at any time you needed to go to cover a story. Oh, my goodness. There's nobody who does it better than you. Well, I thank and you thank so much. Thank you so much for all the time and effort you've put into this work of yours. And, and thank you, Neil. Thank you. And j just a few months ago, I had the opportunity to do another two-hour special on uh, the life and legacy of, of your late husband, Brink Smithers, who, who did so much uh, for so long for so many people. He certainly did. And uh, a lot of people were kind of shocked. They didn't know that how good a friend uh, Brink and uh, Bill Wilson were. I know. They were, they were friends before AA. And, of course, they became fast friends in the, in the AA program. And so uh, we're, we're, I'm very pleased and uh, proud of, of the work that they did and the work that Brink did. And uh, he, with, with Bill, um, you know, he did uh, send a plane down to try to get uh, uh, help, uh, special help for Bill Wilson yeah. uh, during the last days of his life. Yeah. And a lot of people didn't know that and weren't aware of it. And uh, that's the kind of friend Brink was. He, he helped wherever he could, however he could. And a lot of times that included, um, you know, giving some money or putting money up. And, and he didn't mind it one bit. Yeah. He, he knew it was for a good thing. I, I just wanted you to know how much we appreciate you. Well... Thank you. I appreciate that very much. And, and in closing, what, what kind of a legacy does Betty Ford leave behind, Adele? Betty Ford leaves uh, a legacy, I think, of um, uh, she, she really uh, brought uh, alcoholism, the word alcoholism and the, and the meaning of alcoholism uh, be, before the American public. And she let them know that she was a victim of this disease. And she used that terminology, that, that it was a disease. And I think that uh, we should be forever grateful to her because most uh, of the people who uh, would be in her position, and that is uh, uh, the, the first uh, lady of the land, uh, declaring that she had this awful disease I think uh, was uh, a, a phenomenal uh, feat, and it took a great deal of courage. She was, I'd say she was the most courageous lady that I've known, and uh, I really think that many alcoholics owe a great deal to her. So uh, I think her legacy is one of uh, hope and one of, um, I, I think mostly hope, because uh, 
that's where uh, her her uh, whole uh, talk was uh, usually about uh, that alcoholics should never give up that hope. Mm. They keep that that little bit of hope close to your heart, and you would survive. And she—that's what she was—a survivor. Adele Smithers, nice enough to join us for a few moments tonight and, and re- recall some of her recollections of former First Lady Betty Ford. Adele, as always, I thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Neil. The program is Recovery Coast to Coast. Short time out. We'll be back after this with more. You have been listening to Part 1 of Recovery Coast to Coast, broadcasting from Clear Channel Studios in Seattle, Washington, carried live on KHHO AM850 in Tacoma, Washington, and heard nationally in streaming audio at www.recoverycoasttocoast.org. We invite you to stay tuned for Part 2 of Recovery Coast to Coast. If you've been in continuous recovery for at least a year, and would like to share your story with others, please send us an email at recoverycoasttocoast at comcast.net. For more information about future programs, please visit www.recoverycoasttocoast.org, where you can listen to, download, or podcast our last five shows, as well as find information on upcoming programs. This is KHHO AM 850 in Tacoma, Washington, broadcasting from Clear Channel Studios in Seattle. Welcome to Recovery Coast to Coast, broadcasting from Clear Channel Studios in Seattle, Washington, carried live on Fox Radio 850 KHHO in Tacoma, Washington, and carried nationally in streaming audio at www.recoverycoasttocoast.org. Two hours of interviews and features plus questions and comments about this one-day-at-a-time adventure in personal recovery as we share experience, strength, and hope with others so that they may recover from alcohol and other drug and behavioral addictions. And now, Recovery Coast to Coast is on the air. Here's your host, Neil Scott. I do not believe that being First Lady should prevent me from expressing my ideas. Why should my husband's job or yours prevent us from being ourselves? Those are the words of the late Betty Ford, who passed away at the age of 93 with 33 years of continued sobriety. While she was first lady, she spoke openly and candidly about a number of issues. She really redefined the role of the first lady. And her husband, President Gerald Ford, was always incredibly supportive of Mrs. Ford. During an interview with Larry King many, many years ago, President Ford talked about what it meant for his wife, Mrs. Ford, to speak out and be candid about her breast cancer and about her alcoholism and her recovery. Well, Betty thought it was important for her to be open about it. And thank goodness she did, because as a consequence, Many, many, many women around the country went to have uh, the examination that either uh, pointed out the fact that that person had cancer or didn't. And that saved many, many lives. Now, in the case of alcohol and chemical dependency, that was a much more difficult one she did, and I'm darn proud of it. The entire country shared that pride of Mrs. Ford's candor. She later went on, of course, to start the Betty Ford Treatment Program. 
President Ford talked about what that meant to America. It uh, had a certain attractiveness to people who needed help that they could go to a place where uh, a former first lady was chairman. All of America proud of Mrs. Betty Ford for the uniqueness that she brought to the role of first lady. At the memorial service down in Rancho Mirage, California, Cokie Roberts talked about that uniqueness. Mrs. Ford had something very important going for her. She knew who she was. Before her sudden ascension to first lady, she said, I'll move to the White House, do the best I can, and if they don't like it, they can kick me out but they can't make me be somebody I'm not. Jeff Mason, a board member of the Betty Ford Treatment Center, began his part of the memorial service in the usual way. Good afternoon. I'm Jeff. I'm an alcoholic. Jeff Mason talked about what Mrs. Ford's recovery meant to millions of people around the country and around the world, for that matter. We began to understand that what the heck, if, if you could do it, with all the pressures on you every day, living in the White House, for goodness sake, living with a leader of the free world, maybe, just maybe, if we worked at it like you told us to, maybe we could also get some relief from the darkness that we had become almost comfortable with, from the abyss that we had fallen into. While continuing to talk to the memory of Betty Ford at that memorial service in Rancho Mirage, California, Jeff Mason got real personal. And you said something that I've never forgotten. You said that you had discovered that you were allergic to alcohol. That, Betty, made it understandable. She talked about her relationship with Betty Ford and how it developed over the years. Betty Ford was my friend, and I'm honored to be here today. I never imagined when we first met 40 years ago that we would develop such a close personal friendship. At that time, Betty was the wife of the Vice President of the United States. As I assumed the responsibilities of First Lady, I had an excellent role model and a tough act to follow. Betty broke new ground in speaking out on women's issues. Her public disclosure of her own battle with breast cancer lifted the veil of secrecy from this terrible disease. She used the influence of the Office of First Lady to promote early detection, and millions of women are in her debt today. Former First Lady Rosalind Carter also remembered some of the political bonding that she and Mrs. Ford shared. She would round up the Republicans, I would round up the Democrats, and I think we were fairly effective most of the time. <laughs> when we got together later in life, we talked about our hopes and dreams for our children and grandchildren and also our great-grandchildren. To you here who mourn the loss of your mother, your grandmother, and great-grandmother today, Jimmy and I extend our most sincere sympathies and want you to know of the deep love and respect we have for this extraordinary woman. It was my privilege to know her. Her son Michael told those who were at the memorial service that it was a time to give thanks for Betty Ford's life and to celebrate that life. Her extended family, we are here this day to give thanks for her precious life 
We celebrate her life. We rejoice in the goodness of it and how she lived it to its full, leaving no regrets, only hope and joy. We celebrate the precious life of faith, of hope, and of love. But the greatest of these was her love. Our special tribute to former First Lady Betty Ford will continue right after this short timeout. On the other side, we will go back in time to an interview that we did with her son, Steve. Steve Ford was the guest speaker a couple of years ago in New York City at the annual luncheon for the National Council on Alcoholism and Drug Dependence and the Alcoholism Council of New York. We sat down with Steve and talked about a number of things, including his mother. We will share some of that conversation as well as some of his remarks to the audience as well. And then later on in the hour, we will go back to an interview that I had the privilege of doing with Mrs. Betty Ford in her home back in 1980, well before the start of the Betty Ford treatment program. We'll do that when we come back. The program is Recovery Coast to Coast. I'm Neil Scott. We will be right back after these messages. These days, we talk about everything. I've been sober now one year, three days, and counting. My sister was restructured at work after 10 years. Welcome to the new normal and to cards for the new normal. New Journeys cards from Hallmark. My girlfriend sent me a card that said I'm really something to celebrate. Encouragement cards for all the stuff we face today. I actually found a card that says, sorry you lost your job. Journeys, new cards with real words for real life. Only at today's Hallmark Gold Crown stores. She has always been your baby. But when your daughter got into drugs and alcohol, she turned into a stranger. What do you do? Where do you turn? Contact Sundown M Ranch. Sundown's nationally recognized youth treatment program guides young people back to a life free of drugs and alcohol. All treatment is gender specific and directed by caring certified professionals in a safe environment. You can get your daughter back and get to know her again. Go to www.sundown.org to learn more. Your daughter's wasted again. You ignore it. You get help. Before long, she's been arrested. Before long, she's been promoted. You post bail. You congratulate her. And then her addiction really takes and off. And then her career really takes off. She stops in from time to time for she money. She stops in from time to time for coffee. But then it's right back to the street. But then it's right back to the office. Years later, the police stop by. Years later, your daughter and son-in-law stop by. They've got bad news. They've got good news. She's gone. She's expecting. You cry. Choose to help a loved one struggling with drugs or alcohol. It could change everything. For more information or help, call 800-662-9111. Here is something to think about. Problem gambling is exactly that, a problem. Looking for a solution? Well, there is a way out. And there is help for you or someone you love who's caught in the web of problem gambling. Help is as close as your phone. Call the Washington State Problem Gambling Helpline, 1-800-522-4700. For confidential help and free information, call a real winning number, 1-800-522-4700. They have the solution 
for problem gambling. Recovery Coast to Coast is a program feature of the nonprofit Alliance for Recovery. On the air, thanks to the generosity of our friends and listeners. Now, if you're enjoying Recovery Coast to Coast and would like to help us to continue to carry the message of hope and the promise of recovery, you can make a tax-deductible contribution to the Alliance for Recovery at P.O. Box 31451, Seattle, Washington, 98103. Thank you in advance for your support. Our special on the life, the legacy, and the recovery of Mrs. Betty Ford continues. Mrs. Ford recently passing away at the age of 93, celebrating 33 years of continued recovery and the wonderful gift that she has given this country in terms of the understanding that alcoholism is a treatable disease from which people can and do recover. One of those who recovered from this disease, Steve Ford. Mrs. Betty Ford's son. In 2010, he was the keynote speaker at the annual Spring Luncheon for the National Council on Alcoholism and Drug Dependence and their New York City affiliate, the Alcoholism Council of New York. Steve talked about his own alcoholism, his own recovery, and Betty Ford's reaction when she found out that her son was, in fact, an alcoholic. Here is Steve Ford. I'll have 17 years this July, so uh, wow. God has uh, God took the the worst, darkest moment in my life, and and no doubt made it the the best. And I, I look back today, and I would say, you know, I am a grateful, grateful, grateful alcoholic because if if it weren't for my alcoholism, I wouldn't have learned the principles of this this program that have helped me so much. And it's interesting when I went through alcoholism, it was about 10 years or so after Mom got sober, and and you would have thought. Betty, you would have thought Betty Ford's son would have known better, right? You know, and uh, but it, you know, it's a sneaky disease, and it. Um, I can remember going to my mom, and I was a binge drinker. I, I drank on the road when I traveled. I didn't drink much at home, and my family and friends didn't really. I had sort of a secret life on the road, and uh, when I came home and and sort of caught myself and admitted it and went to my mom, I said, "Mom, I think I'm an alcoholic." And, and, and she was just like every other mother in the country. Oh, my son's not an alcoholic. You, you know, I said, Mom, you're, you're like Betty Ford. You can't be in denial, okay? You know, you're, uh, you know we can laugh about it today, yeah, but it was a tough moment at the time. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm here the great, because of the grace of God and a good 12-step program and, and leadership of my mom. Now, I did not go to the Betty Ford Center. I, actually, they, family members can't go. So... Um, Where did you go to treatment, Steve? I, you know, I, I did outpatient. I went and started out, you know, 90 meetings in 90 days and just kept showing up, and uh, it, it worked for me, so that's that's how it worked. How is your mom doing today? She's doing great. I, I was down and saw her a couple weeks ago in Palm Springs, and, uh, yeah, she, I mean, she misses Dad. It's been about three years since he passed away, and that was her best friend. But, I know. Uh, uh, she's doing well and uh, just celebrated a birthday in April, and uh, yes. she's 92, I think you're, yeah, oh, 92. Oh, my goodness. Wow, that's great. Yeah. Please give her my best. Uh, I, I spent uh, a, a lot of time with her back in those early years, and uh, as our listeners uh, know, I did the cover story on uh, Betty Ford for Alcoholism and Addiction magazine way back in the, in the early 80s, and she has done so much for this field. She must be very proud of the work that you now are doing, carrying on that legacy of hope for the Ford family. You know, I, I very smart guy. One of the first meetings I went to recognized me and 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 said, "Listen, I you know I know who you are. Listen, just get sober, get seven years under your belt, keep your mouth shut, and then you can start giving back and, and doing something." And and so good advice, of, by yeah, the way. Yeah, it was great advice. Steve shared a heartwarming story of how his family wound up 
living in the White House. Let, let me give you a story about how our family got catapulted into the White House. A uh, very unique story. Um, it was back in October of 1973. Richard Nixon was president of the United States. Spiro Agnew was the vice president. Spiro Agnew had to step down from office because of a bribery scandal. And my dad was getting ready to retire from Congress after 27 years. Mom finally had him ready to retire to move back to Michigan. And Richard Nixon's looking for a new vice president, and Dad's name was put on the list of about 10 people that might be selected. One of them was the former governor of New York, Nelson Rockefeller, former governor of uh, Texas, um, John Conley. We thought Dad's name was at the bottom of that list. We lived in Alexandria, Virginia, outside of Washington, D.C., in a little three-bedroom house, probably, I don't know, 2,300 square feet. And uh, we're having dinner that night, and the White House had called all those on the list to say that at 7.30 that night, the White House was going to call whoever they chose to be the next vice president. And then at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, they were going to announce it nationally at the White House. We're having dinner, not thinking this is going to happen. It, and now, to put this story in perspective, in our house we had two different telephone lines. We had a, a public line that was listed in the phone book, two or three extensions throughout the house. And then we had a private line in my parents' bedroom that was an unlisted phone number with only one extension. At 7.30 that night, the private line in my parents' bedroom rings. My sister Susan picks it up, yells downstairs, Dad, it's the White House. Everybody gets up from the dinner table. We go upstairs. Dad picks up the phone, and on the other end of that phone is General Alexander Haig, who was Nixon's chief of staff at that time. And General Haig says to my father, Congressman Ford, the President of the United States, has something that he thinks both you and your wife Betty should hear at the same time. Could you put your wife Betty on? And before my dad could tell him, it was the private line with only one extension. The President of the United States gets on the phone. And the next thing we hear my dad say is, Mr. President, if, if you could just call back on the other line, <laughs> Betty could get on and he hangs up. <laughs> now, I, I gotta be honest, I just didn't think that was a career move. I, 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 I had visions of Al Haig and Richard Nixon going through the phone book, right? You know, it's, it's Jerry for it, right, Al? It's Jerry. <laughs> We, we sat, honest God, we sat there in, in mom and dad's bedroom for five minutes. It was the quietest five minutes of our family's, like, you know, little rumblings in the back of, you know, way to go, dad. That was, uh, <laughs> but that was, that was October 1973, five minutes later, the, the president of the United States calls back on the other line so that my mother and dad could share that moment in their marriage as they had shared so many other moments. Former first son, Steve Ford, talking about his mom and dad, Mrs. Betty Ford and President Gerald Ford. He also shared a story about the first night that Betty Ford was the first lady of the United States and how different it was then. I'll never forget that, that, that night that he took the oath of office. We did not get, we weren't able to move into the White House. Now, you would think after your dad becomes president of the United States, you move in the White House. Nixon resigned so unexpectedly, so quickly, that they weren't able to pack up all their belongings and their clothes. And, they, and even though they went to California, Richard Nixon and Pat Nixon, his wife, they left their daughter and son-in-law, David Eisenhower, at 
the White House to pack all the things. It took seven days. So that night, after Dad becomes president, we don't get to move in. We go back to our little house in Alexandria, Virginia. And for you ladies out there, I, I'll never forget Mom standing over the stove that night cooking. She was sitting there cooking, and she goes, Jerry, something's wrong here. You just became president of the United States, and I'm still cooking. I mean, that was our reality. That was our, for the next seven days, Dad had to wake up every morning, commute to the office, and, and that was... Excerpts from a wonderful talk that Steve Ford gave back in 2010 at the annual spring luncheon for the National Council on Alcoholism and Drug Dependence and the Alcoholism Council of New York. Steve was on our program that day, and I had the chance to, to talk with him and to find out a little bit more about the life of Betty Ford. Steve talked about what it was like in the days leading up to the intervention for Mrs. Ford. And after Dad left the White House and lost the Carter in 76, they moved out to California. And the perfect storm set up for my mother to become an alcoholic. The perfect storm. Dad, they, they built a home there. Uh, the kids were all grown up. We were gone. Dad started going on boards and giving speeches all across the country, and he's gone and traveling. Mom was home alone. Uh, she had developed a very serious injury in her neck, a pinched nerve. Several doctors were properly just prescribing to her pain medication. And this perfect storm set up, and she became lonely. Dad's on the road. The kids are gone. It built over time, and we saw my mom losing her life. We saw her pull back. We saw her become melancholy, start to become depressed, start canceling appointments, not going out, slurred speech. All these things led up to this, this big elephant that was living in our house and nobody could speak about it. And we didn't know what to do. It wasn't the education and the information that's out there like it is now. And my dad, um, mom's best friend, said enough. He had to find out. And he went and started talking to doctors and finding out what he could and, and what this combination of, of painkillers and alcohol had done and, and this cocktail that had been made to, to make her become an addict. And it's amazing to think, I remember the, the meeting with Dad and the, the talk we had. He said, he found some doctors and they have this new cutting edge thing we're going to do with Mom and save her life. And, and, and they, we all came to California and we met the night before we were going to do this thing called an intervention. Nobody had heard the word before. Now they got TV shows about it. It's come a long ways. But the whole family showed up, and we met with this doctor in Dad's office in secret from Mom the night before. My two brothers, my sister, we all flew in from around the country, and we sat in the office, and he walked us through it and said, here's what we're going to do tomorrow. We're going to do this intervention with your mother. And each one of you are going to go in there and tell two stories about how, how her alcoholism has, has, has hurt you and wounded you. And, and you're going to tell it in love, and your dad's going to lead this intervention, and it's going to be led in love. And we didn't know what we were doing. But we trusted Dad, and the next morning we walked in there at 8 in the morning, and the door opened, 
and many of you have been through these things, and you know what I'm telling you is the truth. Mom, mom's first reaction was, oh, great, all the family's here. <laughs> and then she started thinking, well, that one lives in North Carolina. This one lives in Oklahoma. This, what are they doing at my front door at 8 in the morning? And immediately the defenses went up. And the anger and the frustration, feeling like she was cornered by her own family. And as you guys know, there's anger, shouting, and hugs, and more anger, and more shouting, and more hugs. But I will never be able to thank my dad enough for how he sat there and held my mother's hand and said, Betty, we're here because I, want to, I don't want to lose my wife. And these kids don't want to lose their mother. And we, we didn't do the work. We didn't do the All we did was wake mom up. She did the work. She did the work. And the outcome was a good one. And um, trust me, that, that morning in Rancho Mirage, California, I'm sure the neighbors heard, they're going, what's going on over at the Ford house this morning? But there was a miracle happening. The miracle of sobriety and the grace of God and the 12-step program. And mom went into treatment, and I promise you, that morning, there, no, there's nobody in that room that ever thought on the other side of that there was going to be this thing called the Betty Ford Center. We were just trying to save our mother. But she did it. She did the work, and... Um, and I am, so, I am so, so grateful today for what Dad did to, to lead that. Betty Ford's son, Steve, sharing some recollections about his mom, Mrs. Betty Ford, who passed away at the age of 93 after 33 years of continued recovery and after putting the Betty Ford Treatment Center on the map and saving thousands and thousands and thousands of lives. We will continue with our tribute to Mrs. Betty Ford right after a short timeout. And when we come back, I will share some excerpts from an interview that I did with Mrs. Ford back in 1980 at their home down in Rancho Mirage, California. I'm Neil Scott. The program is Recovery Coast to Coast. Tonight, a celebration of the life, the legacy, and the recovery of Betty Ford. We will be right back. I lie to all my friends. I mean, I look right at my kids and lie to them. I make excuses to my family. I make excuses to the people at work. I hide the truth from everyone. Cover up at family holidays, you know, act as if everything's okay, pretend I'm happy. Every day, I deceive everyone close to me. This man isn't addicted to drugs or alcohol. He's just addicted to covering up for someone who is. He thinks it helps, but it doesn't. Find out what does. For more information or help, call 800-662-9111. Are you afraid? Afraid of life without drugs and alcohol? There is help and hope at Sundown M Ranch. At Sundown, the focus is on you and your disease. You will learn how to live without depending on drugs and alcohol. Sundown M Ranch is nationally recognized for effective and affordable alcohol and drug treatment programs. Reclaim your life. Replace your fears with hope. Go to www.sundown.org right now to learn more. Reason number 22 to switch to GEICO. We think renters are cool. Now, we don't know if you were born cool or if it's just all the cool stuff you have in your apartment. 
The point is, if you want to protect your considerable coolness, ask GEICO about renter's insurance. For as little as $12 a month, you can protect all the stuff you hold near and dear, including that combination flat-screen TV espresso machine. Now that is cool. For a fast, easy rate quote on renter's insurance, visit GEICO.com or call 1-800-947-AUTO. Yeah, I've been drunk in the last 30 days. And how old are you? 13. Do your parents know? No. In Washington, one in six eighth graders used alcohol in the past month. I'm Governor Gregoire. We can keep kids alcohol-free if we start talking now. About how many times have you had five or more drinks in a row this month? Maybe three. And how old are you? Fifteen. For more information, visit StartTalkingNow.org. That's StartTalkingNow.org. Welcome back to Recovery Coast to Coast. I'm Neil Scott. Our tribute to Mrs. Betty Ford continues. Back in the 1980s, I was the editor of Alcoholism, the National Magazine, which went on to become Alcoholism and Addiction Magazine, a national newsstand publication about addiction and recovery. In 1981, I traveled to London, where I first met Mrs. Ford. She was speaking at an international conference on alcoholism. She agreed to sit down with me in California and do a cover story for the magazine. In early 1982, I flew to Southern California and spent an afternoon at the home of President and Mrs. Ford in Rancho Mirage. That was certainly one of the highlights of my life. Mrs. Ford, so wonderfully open, honest, and candid about a number of topics, including the last time that she had used drugs, the significance of those around her in early recovery, and the hardest part of sobriety for the former First Lady plus the invisible line that she crossed going from social drinking into alcoholism. She also shared with me the fact that her father died from alcoholism and that her brother was also an alcoholic. It was an in-depth interview with one of America's most beloved figures, former First Lady Betty Ford, conducted prior to the development of the Betty Ford Treatment Center. As our celebration of the life, the legacy, and the recovery of Mrs. Ford continues, I am pleased to share with you a portion of that interview with Mrs. Ford. Your specific sobriety birthday is first or the second of April or the third? You Actually, the third. I use April 7th because 7th. that was the date that I finished at midnight the last, well, capsule of medication to bring me down off the um, mm -hmm. drugs mm -hmm. that I had been, which were prescription drugs. Mm -hmm. I was highly medicated, as you know, mm -hmm. for a pinched nerve in my neck and an arthritic condition. And I was using alcohol on top of that. So the combination was, of course, uh, bombastic. And this happened down here in the desert as opposed to in the White House? I have, I had been on the prescription drugs for about 15 years, but they had been increased considerably since we left wa uh, Washington. When we left Washington and came out here, I think the adjustment of leaving our home there, which uh, the place we had established more or less as home for the last 28 years, and it wasn't as if we left willingly. We were defeated Certainly. for something that we were trying to uh, win. I mean, this was the first time my husband 
had I had had anything but success in running for office. So I think that probably leaving Washington, which had been our home for 28 years, was a big adjustment. Plus the fact that um, we left under circumstances. It wasn't as if we chose to say we know we had planned to retire, but we hadn't planned to retire that way. Who has been the most significant person in your recovery? I suppose, um, I, you know, I hate to say, because my family have been so important, but then they've always been very important to me. And the individuals, there's so many individuals that have helped me. I think I've been a, uh, a significant factor in my recovery. Um, I think it takes all of the parts put together that makes recovery possible. What was the hardest part of your early sobriety? Depends on what you refer to as sobriety. If you mean by not drinking or not taking any mm -hmm. mood-altering drugs such as the medications I had been on, it would certainly be the medications because I was still in pain. But I was assured that if I would continue to learn to live without them, I would find my health a great deal better and eventually a good deal of that pain would disappear. Dr. Persh told me this. Mm -hmm. I uh, couldn't believe that could possibly be true. Uh, I just, I'd been on medication for so long it, it didn't seem possible. I'd always been a social drinker and I had never seen any reason why um, just because I had to take a few pills I should not continue being the social drinker I had always been. It was definitely not giving up, I don't think it was giving up the drinking although certainly that was part of my lifestyle, but because of the pain I think it would have been the medication. Are you uncomfortable at all now around alcohol? Certainly you're in social settings where there's alcohol. Not at all. I'm very happy. I don't have to be bothered with it. Mm -hmm. I am what you call a grateful alcoholic, which is a very strange terminology, but it's a very nice feeling to be um, able to live very comfortably with no embarrassment whatsoever, and when people offer you would drink or say, what would you like to drink? Very comfortably say, well, I'll have a tonic and lime. Do people feel comfortable talking to you about your recovery, social drinkers? Very definitely, because um, I usually tend to be quite open and willing to bring it mm -hmm. up and talk about it. Mm -hmm. I know that there are so many people out there that are just waiting for someone to bring it up because they have somebody perhaps in their family that has maybe gone through the same thing or they wish would perhaps go through the same thing. When did you know you were starting to get in trouble with the alcohol and drugs? Well, I think when you pass over that invisible line, it's um, almost impossible to know you're in trouble 
the disease itself is a disease of denial and even if you feel that you have um, I guess I knew because my family were beginning to make sure that the drinks that were given to me were not you know they were light drinks they were making an effort to make sure because if we were going to have uh, drinks before dinner I know they made an effort to make them mild I'd been on medication all day and by the time I had a drink I got very groggy and very um, zombie in extreme cases I mean what was your drinking pattern in, in the afternoon of the cocktail hour at the end of the day yes because actually I was on medication all day from the time I got up in the morning and when I f learned about my disease which was um, duo addiction I learned from the doctors that I probably didn't need to drink uh, during the day because the mood altering medications I was on were pra in effect practically the same thing as uh, mm -hmm. alcohol. I had the same effect. Did Operation Understanding, which was held in, uh, in Washington in 1976 when the 52 people came out and publicly acknowledged their alcoholism, Dick Van Dyke, uh, former Congressman Mills, uh, Buzz Aldrin, did this have an impact at all on you? I was very impressed and I thought it was wonderful. Um, I was delighted and um, I thought it was a Harold Hughes. Mm -hmm. Yes, Senator he was involved. Hughes yes, involved with that, and very supportive. I knew Congressman Mills very well. Everybody was very surprised that he was alcoholic because he never drank at any of the parties, or he didn't really go to parties. Mm -hmm. um, to me, the hidden alcoholic or the invisible alcoholic is very hard to detect and I think probably I was as much in that classification um, as some of the people like that. Um, I never had to drink in heavy extend for extended times or heavy amounts because and I keep ref going back to this duo addiction mm -hmm. which uh, I'm sure you understand some people don't yes. uh, the synergistic quality of the interaction of drugs and alcohol as Dr. Persh tells the story it isn't a matter of 2 plus 2 equals 4 but 2 plus 2 adds up to 22 when you're adding alcohol and drugs I probably helped a lot of people get into treatment. This is not unusual for people who are alcoholic mm -hmm. to, uh, in the very beginning, even help others with their problem and still, because of the denial of the disease, not see their own. I see this among people now who are still out there practicing. Mm -hmm. And they cannot see their own. Um, but they're very willing to help someone else. It's uh, not unusual for someone to say, well, my heavens, if I drank like that, I certainly would give it up. And yet the person themselves, everybody else is aware they have a problem too. 
I think I made sure I had lived a very uh, structured life. Uh, I had come from a family that had set up certain mores as far as social activities were concerned. My drinking never interfered with my pattern of behavior in a way that would be offensive or um, noticeable, and I made sure that it didn't. What were your childhood or adolescent attitudes towards drinking? Oh, I wouldn't go out with boys in high school who I had went out, I remember I went out with a boy once and he drank beer at some party or dance and I had him take me home and I said don't ever come this way again because I did not want anything to do that may have been a reaction from the fact that I was by that time aware that my father had died of alcoholism which I didn't know until 16 mm -hmm. when he did die of alcoholism mm -hmm. and I found out at the time of his death that he had been alcoholic and my brother in high school was um, certainly very alcoholically inclined. I knew it caused a problem in our family. And to me, it was a very improper thing to do. What impact do you feel your public recovery has had? Are you able to measure that? Oh, I never even think about that because to me, the importance is that I guess I'm selfish to know that my own recovery is such a wonderful thing, not only for me, but for our family. I'm delighted when I hear that it's helped somebody else, and I was thrilled to death the other day when a woman came up to me and said that she had gone into recovery because of me, and she had read my book, and it had helped her recognize her own alcoholism. She was a lovely lady, young, really in her, she was more of a young woman than a lady. She said she went to, when she went to her first AA meeting, she had her, my book in her arms. That is a very emotional thing to me, yes. It moves me to uh, sort of chills down my spine. I mean, I'm thrilled to death and sort of tears well up a little bit in my eyes because I know what it means to go through treatment and I know how hard it is no matter how you go into treatment it's hard to face up to it mm -hmm. it's hard to know that you're not well I guess it's not too much difference from maybe being told you have cancer and they hope they can do something for you, but they don't know. Mm -hmm. It's it's uh, it's tough. Are there special needs for uh, for a person in the public spotlight uh, who goes through treatment? They probably need um, a longer period to recover because. I think people who are in the spotlight and usually through that focus of attention have developed an image even within them own within their own selves and they build up a veneer that layer on layer 
protects them in that shell. They protect themselves. They have to protect themselves from the public. And then it's much harder to get through to their feelings when you try to go through recovery. Mm-hmm. When they go through recovery. Have you had any adverse reaction to your public acknowledgement to recovery? Oh yes, I even received telegrams to the effect when I first announced it that they thought it was very undignified and for particularly for a former first lady to air her problems in public and that mm. sort of thing. Um, there were times that I momentarily thought, I guess I made a mistake, I never should have been so honest about a problem that our family is having. Because you see, with our family, it wasn't just me having the problem. We have been such a closely knit um, unit that if one of us have a, has a problem, we all have a problem. And that's probably one of the greatest things that could happen toward my recovery. Not everybody has that support system. So I was uh, just, you know, so fortunate mm-hmm. and much more so than most people. What role did Mr. Ford play as a spouse and, uh, and, and how about the rest of the family? Were they involved in a family program at Long Beach? Yes, the family, with the exception of our oldest son and his wife, who were living on the East Coast and they, had to go, they came for the intervention, mm-hmm. but they had to go back East uh, during the week and then they returned the next weekend but uh, the rest of the family all participated in the program at Long Beach mm-hmm. as family members. Do you feel that's essential in a person's recovery? I would think it was almost mandatory if it's possible. I'm sure there are some cases where physically it isn't possible but in that case then I think a close friend or an employer or somebody in the family or close to the family should participate. Are there special needs for a woman alcoholic? As a woman I feel that we have a very different set of values than men and consequently we usually relate better to each other in treatment. Personally, I feel that women need each other in treatment as much perhaps as men need to uh, interrelate Mm -hmm. with other men because there's a certain understanding there about values that's different. Mm -hmm. What advice could you give to a woman struggling uh, with the disease? I suppose it depends. I immediately I begin to think, who is this woman? Is she married? Does she have a family? And, and uh, or is she working? And or is she running a house? And how's it affecting her? Um, that's a very hard question when you're just say a woman struggling with a disease. Um, I guess I think probably the best recovery is found through the um, program of Alcoholics Anonymous and that is certainly the most successful recovery program that a person can go to Mm -hmm. and I would recommend that.
So your advice... I'm trying to give an overall... Sure. Yeah. ...would be then to call someone in AA, mm -hmm. which is certainly the most readily available resource. Oh, yes. I mean, it's in your phone book in mm -hmm. every city. They do call here a lot, you know, and they're drinking. And Anne doesn't put them through to me. Now, if we get a call like that on a mastectomy, they put them through to me, mm. but not if they're drinking. Mm -hmm. uh, because wise. I get a lot of those. Sure. What are some of the bright spots of recovery for you over the last four years? I'm sure there have been many. Well, the last four years has been probably the most interesting and fascinating that uh, maybe I've had. It's certainly been the most different because I have been very independent. Um, my role as mother and wife has not been the predominant role. I've had the opportunity to develop my own individual personality to a great extent and being allowed to do that and with the children all grown and in homes of their own it has meant that I have sort of gone back into a career oriented world where I am spending a great deal of time traveling, working and trying to develop for one thing, the Betty Ford Center at Eisenhower mm -hmm. Hospital. But it has given me a whole new outlook on life. It's given me the, um, it's given me new energies, new health, new family relationships of greater depth and greater love, a greater spiritual program than I've ever had before. An exclusive interview with former First Lady Betty Ford, conducted at her home in Rancho Mirage, California, back in 1982. Our tribute to the former First Lady will continue right after this short timeout. I'm Neil Scott. The program is Recovery Coast to Coast. Thank you for calling AAA. How can I help you? Oh, great. Hi, we've got a major malfunction going on here. What's the problem, sir? Well, the problem is that some friends and I decided to go whitewater rafting down this river just outside of town. Sounds adventurous. Yeah, well, it was until one of us who kept his keys in his pocket lost them, hello, <laughs> when he fell, up, oh, I'm sorry, was thrown out of the raft by some supposed tidal wave. Oh, so you're locked out. <laughs> well, we were until our friend Brian came out with an extra set of keys. So you're not locked out. Uh, no. But Brian is. Nice job, Brian. The genius locked his keys in the car when he got out to give us our extras. Bummer. Exactly. Well, tell Brian to hang tight and we'll be right out. Oh, you are the best. See, I told you, man. They're the best. At AAA, we understand it's never just the lockout. That's why we're dedicated to helping you with quick personal service to get you moving again. AAA. We're not just about cars. We're about you. Call 1-800-JOIN-AAA or visit AAA.com. Join now and get $10 off a of basic membership. If you're considering a career as a chemical dependency counselor, here are five reasons to enroll at the Institute of Chemical Dependency Studies. It's recommended for up to 24 hours of college credit by the American Council on Education. 
offers an accelerated distance learning program, is an ADAC-approved provider, and their training meets the criteria for the Certified Justice Professional Certification. Plus, student loans are also available. Start your career today. Call 866-523-2669 or go to www.cdstudies.com. We now join the new Diet 7-Up Taste Challenge already in progress. Okay, I want you all to try this and then just say the first thing that pops in your head. Amazing. Yeah, mm, totally. Mm, there's more flavor. Yeah, more natural flavor. Mm-hmm. More mm-hmm. lemon-lime flavor. Yeah, you're both right. There's more natural lemon-lime flavor. Yeah, the lemon-lime flavor is totally zesty. Zingy. Zippy. With zero calories. What is it? Yeah. New Diet 7-Up. Diet 7-Up is new? Yeah, it's been totally reinvented with mm. more natural lemon-lime flavor than ever. It's totally refreshing. I love I it. I know. Uh, and it's diet, too. And where's the aftertaste? Now, yeah. that is refreshing. <laughs> Here's to more flavor in our lives. Try new Diet Diet 7-Up, now with more natural lemon-lime flavor than ever. Diet 7-Up, totally reinvented, totally refreshing. Stop in to your nearest grocery or convenience store today and pick up the new Diet 7-Up. Diet 7-Up has been totally reinvented and still has zero calories. Taste the new refreshing burst of lemon-lime flavors in Diet 7-Up today. We wasted a lot of years hoping, praying for things to get better. I was desperate to save our family. That's when I made the contact. She contacted Sundown M Ranch. Sundown's nationally recognized alcohol and drug treatment program teaches family members how to break down the barriers of denial. They are taught the skills needed to deal with addiction as a family. Now we're making up for lost time. It was the best contact I ever made. Go to www.sundown.org to learn more. For the past two hours, you have been listening to a special tribute to Mrs. Betty Ford, the former First Lady passing away at the age of 93 after 33 years of continued recovery. I want to thank all of the people who have contributed to tonight's program. My good friend, Dr. Joe Persh, who did the intervention on Mrs. Ford. Joe Califano, former Secretary of Health, Education, and Welfare, and the founder and president of CASA, the Center for Addiction and Substance Abuse at Columbia University. And Adele Smithers, the matriarch of the modern alcoholism movement. With comments and reflections on Mrs. Ford from singer-songwriter Larry Gatlin, television icon Larry King, and remarks about Mrs. Betty Ford from NPR's Cokie Roberts, Betty Ford Treatment Center board member Jeff Mason, former First Lady Rosalind Carter, Mrs. Ford's sons, Michael and Steve Ford. Mrs. Ford's legacy will be one of help and hope. The treatment center that bears her name will continue to be a beacon of hope not just for one treatment program, but for treatment from many outstanding treatment programs around the country. Betty Ford put a face and a voice to recovery. I had the honor and privilege of spending some time with Mrs. Ford, and it certainly is one of the highlights of my career in the alcoholism and addiction field. She epitomizes a theme that I have used in my 30-plus years in this field of addiction. The bright side of addiction is recovery. Pass it on. We conclude our broadcast tonight with a final thought from Mrs. Betty Ford about the importance of helping others, followed by an excerpt from the song that Larry Gatlin wrote in honor of Mrs. Ford. I think that's what we're here on this earth for, to help others. And if you can, you ought to do it. She was a great first lady, that's what Miss Betty was. She knew it didn't make much difference what you say But she knew it made a lot of difference what one does She did it right and she made a difference
let a whole lot of us old drunks in from the cold. We'll see you next time on Recovery Coast to Coast. I'm Neil Scott. You've been listening to Recovery Coast to Coast, a program feature of the Nonprofit Alliance for Recovery. Recovery Coast to Coast is heard nightly from 10 p.m. till midnight Pacific Time, Monday through Friday, from Clear Channel Studios in Seattle, Washington, carried live on Fox Radio 850 KHHO in Tacoma, Washington, and heard nationally in streaming audio. For information about future programs, please visit www.recoverycoasttocoast.org, where you can listen to, download, or podcast our last five shows, as well as find information on upcoming programs. Please join us next time when we share experience, strength, and hope with others so that they may recover from alcohol and other drug and behavioral addictions. The bright side of addiction is recovery.